you know, I'm just all glory to God. I know it sounds a little bit like, like a dodge, but really, you know, God made me this way, right? All glory to him. Thanks, Harold, so much. Um, before I begin, though, uh, I do want to say thank you. So I want to say thank you for allowing me to open up the word of God with you guys. I believe this is the word of God, and it actually has supernatural powers to shape and transform our lives. And it's done that for me. It's changed who I am, truly. It's changed me. And to be able to open up the word of God with you all this morning, share with you what God has been teaching me and laying on my heart in regards to family, it's not something I take lightly. I understand that it's an honor and a privilege, and I really do want to thank you. So thank you. Also, before we begin, I would like to say a quick word of prayer. So let's pray. Father, this is my prayer, that our love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that we might be able to test and approve what is best, that we might be pure and blameless for the day when Christ returns. Lord, fill us with your fruit of righteousness. Fill us with the fruit of the Spirit through the power of Jesus Christ in his resurrection. All glory and praise to God the Father. Amen. So we're in a series called What's Next. In this series, What's Next, we're talking about what's next after the resurrection. So what's next? Jesus lived, he died for our sins, and now he's resurrected by God's power on the third day. What do we do? How do we live? What's next? Harold uh, gave some great messages about how we can live lives of optimism, live lives of gratitude, and lives of purpose. And those are available online. They're great resources. Today, we're going to be talking about how we can live a life with family, specifically the family that we are all adopted into as Christians. There's many different ways to grow a family. The one that probably comes to mind is biologically, you know, through um, normal reproduction. And uh, if you think about any other ways, maybe one of the ways you think about is adoption. You know, that comes to mind sometimes. Uh, foster care, you can sometimes foster someone for, you know, until they're an adult. Sometimes it can last a while. Sometimes foster care doesn't last so long. Uh, sometimes a friend becomes so close that they actually become like family. And so there's a lot of different ways to grow a family. Um, no matter how you grow a family, if that person is truly part of a family, if they're really part of your family, you can't tell them they're not part of your family. They are 100% part of your family. They are family. You don't get to say they're not. They are family. Okay. So up here, this is a picture of my brother, Daniel. Daniel and I are really close, love him a ton, and sometimes I get asked, but do you have any real brothers? It's like, well, I get what you mean. You get the question, but also at the same time, you don't understand. That is my brother. 100%, 100% truly. I'm not going to explain it. That's my brother. 100%. There's a lot of different ways to grow a family. There's a lot of different ways to become part of a family. Families look very different all over the world, right? God's family is a lot like adoption. And so we are adopted into God's family. Today, we're going to be talking about that. Specifically, if you forget everything else, don't forget this. Because of Jesus' life, because of his death, because of his resurrection— you are adopted into an eternal family. You are part of a real, true family if you're a Christian. You may not think about this often, but 
it matters a ton. We're going to be looking at the book of Galatians, and we're going to be asking two questions. How do I enter into this family? And there was sort of a sneak peek, right? We're adopted. So how do we enter in? And then the second question is, how does this change the way I live? Okay, so I'm adopted. How is this going to change the way I live? We're going to be looking at Galatians 3 and 4. It will be up on the screen if you have your Bibles, on your tablets, your phones, or whatever, if you brought it in. Um, That's where we'll be is Galatians 3 and 4 mostly. So we'll start in Galatians 4, 4. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. This passage answers the question, how do we enter into this family? Simply stated, we are adopted. You know, this process of adoption uh, begins with Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And now we're adopted, and the phrase is into sonship. Now, into sonship may feel like a little bit awkward of a phrase, right? Especially if, well, you're a daughter, you know? So we have to remember that the Bible is not written directly to us. It's definitely written for us, and we can learn a lot, and it can change our lives. But it was actually written to a different culture. And that culture that it was written to, if you were adopted as a son, if you were adopted into sonship, that meant you were 100% legally part of the family. You could inherit everything. You could inherit the title, the family name, all the property. You could even... inherit the job. Like, it was a big deal to be adopted as a son. So it's actually incredibly inclusive. Anyone can be adopted like a son. That's kind of what Paul is saying. Regardless if you're a man or a woman or whoever you are, you can be adopted as a son. But we'll get more into that in a little bit. For now, let's talk about adoption. Some of you, most of you even, have some connection to adoption. You know, you probably understand that as parents who are adopting, they have to go through a lot. There's all kinds of paperwork. There's legal things you have to do. It's just this whole process that can be months and months and months and months. It's a very hard thing. It costs a lot of money and it's grueling. So it's hard on the parents. And in the other sense, though, it's actually pretty easy in in some ways for the kid. Now, there's a big change that happens in the kid's life. There's no doubt about that. But they just are accepted and they enter into an eternal, or they enter into a new family. They are truly, fully, legally the child of the parents. The kid just gets to experience this new family. Now, if the parent was asked, but don't you have any real kids? You know, it's like, oh, that's kind of offensive. This is my real child. This is 100% my real kid. No, I, I'm not even going to like explain that. This is my kid. You know, so adoption truly is when one child enters into a family, and guess what? We are all adopted. Every single Christian is truly adopted. Similar to human adoption, it's super complicated for the parent, God, right? I don't expect to explain today all the cosmic mechanisms that have taken place from the beginning of time for adoption to take place. I know that Jesus had to die on the cross, but I don't know what on earth he had to suffer. I don't understand the full weight of that. I don't know all the processes that went on for him to adopt us. I know that he did, because guess what? As the kids, us, it's actually pretty simple, right? Now, it's a big change in life. There's no doubt about that. Big change in life happens when we're adopted into this family. 
But if we believe Jesus lived, that he died for our sins and he rose from the dead by the power, by the power of God, on the third day, we're adopted into the family. It's actually pretty simple. We grow from there and we change, but we're adopted into the family after that. Now, as in a little aside, I, I like pointing out that um, adoption was actually really important to even Jesus. So Jesus was adopted. Joseph was Jesus's adopted father. In the genealogy of Matthew, he goes out of his way to trace the lineage through Joseph. So Joseph was legally, truly Jesus's father. Like it meant a lot that Jesus was adopted, and it means a lot that we're adopted. So in Galatians 4, 6, we read that because we are adopted, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit that calls out Abba, Father. And I want to pause here and really just set this in stone, okay? God, if you're a Christian, is really your Father. It's not some sort of ethereal dream. It's not some sort of wishy-washy hope. It's not something out. He is your Father. Just like if you went up to an adopted parent and said, is that your real kid? If you said that to God, he would look at you and just say, what are you talking about? That is my kid. You are truly a child of God. You are adopted into the family 100% truly for real. You can call on God as your father. That's a big deal. And it's because we're adopted. It's because Jesus died for our sins. There's actually something really cool theologically happening in adoption. So you have the Holy Spirit who lives in us was sent to us after Christ's resurrection. So the Holy Spirit, then the Son, and allows us to connect with God the Father through adoption. So you have the Holy Spirit living in us, allowing to call out to God the Father, and the Holy Spirit was sent to us by the Son. So get that, like the whole Trinity, right, in adoption. How cool is that, right? So, Adoption's a big deal. Adoption matters a lot. And we are, as Christians, adopted into an eternal family. So now we're going to spend the rest of our time in Galatians asking, what do we do differently to live? Like, how do we live differently? Or, you know, going along with the series, what's next? Okay, so what? I'm adopted. Now how do I live? What changes in my life? The first answer to that question is, how do I live differently? The first answer we find is in Galatians 3, 26 through 28. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children. You are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. Remember how I said the phrase adopted into sons? was meant to be inclusive. This is how I know that. This is dead clear giveaway that that's true because this comes right before he says it. So Galatians 3, 26 through 28, Paul is saying, and he's breaking down any sort of sexism, any sort of racism, any other ism that we can come up with. I love this. Once adopted, all human distinctions lose their significance. None is spiritually superior or inferior to another in adoption. We're all brothers and sisters. 
We are all 100% truly, really brothers and sisters. When we're all adopted, none is superior or inferior. Doesn't matter if you're Jew, doesn't matter if you're non-Jew, doesn't matter if you're slave or if you're free or if you're woman or man. And we can go on with this list, right? Paul gives us just a little glimpse, but man, we're good at subdividing humanity and dividing humanity and making enemies. We can talk about, you know, economic status, political party. We can talk about social status. We can talk about education. We divide and divide, but that's not true. Once we're adopted, none is spiritually superior to another. That means that all the eighth grade students that are being confirmed today are spiritually on par with us. We are brothers and sisters. If you are getting confirmed today, you are my brother, you are my sister, period. Doesn't matter how long you are or how young you are. How old are you? Doesn't matter. You are my brother. You are my sister. What's your race? Doesn't matter. You're my brother. You're my sister. Doesn't matter your education. It doesn't matter any of that. You are my brother. You are my sister. For real, God adopted you. And it was a very complicated, hard process that I don't understand, but praise God that we are in an eternal family, right? Amen. So once adopted, we're brothers and sisters. When we gather then, we get to start experiencing something amazing. We get to start experiencing a little bit of what heaven is like. When we gather for worship, we get to participate in something eternal. So something eternal is happening right now. Little pocket of heaven. Little pocket of peace and freedom, hope, love, care for one another. We get to experience something eternal when we gather together. When we, not just for worship, when we get together and share in each other's lives, when we eat together, when we play together, when we dance and sing and draw and learn and teach together, we're participating in something that is going to last into eternity. That's a huge deal. As brothers and sisters, we're this family. I think that's in part why the author of Hebrews writes 10, 24, and 25. Hebrews 10, starting in 24, says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. It's not like he's saying man, you better come to church. You better not forsake gathering together. You better not miss, you know, doing this and get, no, he's saying like, get it. You are brothers and sisters. You are an eternal family. You are getting to bring down heaven onto earth in little pockets of freedom, joy, love, acceptance, peace. You get to have that. Why would you not want that? Don't forget gathering together. Don't forsake it. Like, come on. How awesome is that we can participate in that? He's not wanting to, you to think that, you know, it's this rule you need to follow. It's an opportunity that you really get to have. It's an awesome thing that we get to do. Now, I'm not blind to the fact, all right, this is a beautiful picture, but I'm not blind to the fact that we're all humans, right? Like, we're all humans. We're going to hurt each other. We're going to let each other down. And I don't want it that way. I'm sure you guys don't either, but it's true. And it happens in congregations. It happens at churches. But don't let that, don't let one bad experience, don't let one bad person spoil this opportunity to participate in something eternal, freeing, magnificent, wonderful. This, this opportunity to gather together and be part of this eternal family, don't let that spoil it. It's such a beautiful gift. 
Okay, so we get to participate in something eternal. It should be really exciting to gather together as brothers and sisters. How else is this going to maybe change the way I live? Well, maybe we'll treat each other a little bit better. Philippians 2, starting in verse 3, reads, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So serve one another. We're brothers and sisters. Jesus is God, and he served us. As brothers and sisters, let us serve each other. So how does, changing, how does being adopted change the way I live? How does it actually impact the way I live? Well, this may be a little strange for some of you, but look around the room. This is your eternal family. This is really like your eternal family. As Christians, we're part of this eternal family. Now, that's assuming, you know, that we're all Christians and maybe you're not. You're welcome to come into the eternal family. All are welcome, you know. This is it. Like, this is so exciting. Also, we might be encouraged to treat each other a little bit better, to serve one another, to put each other's needs before our own. So that's one way that we might change the way we live. We might treat each other and look at each other like real, true brothers and sisters. How else does being adopted change the way I live? Well, we find our second answer in Galatians 3.29 and 4.7. So Galatians 3.29 reads, If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And 4.7 reads, So you are no longer a slave, but child, God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. So this passage, this passage teaches us that we are heirs. That's a little confusing of a word. Not errors, <laughs> right? It's a big deal to say not that. We're heirs. So an heir receives an inheritance, for instance, Paul, in his, uh, in his thought process on adoption, is probably thinking about Roman adoption. It was, he was a Roman, and it was very normal for Roman men to adopt sons because that meant they could pass on their legacy, their inheritance, their job title. They oftentimes passed on uh, regions in, as big as the size of countries. Um, they would adopt because they wanted to make sure that their son was worthy of this inheritance and so that they can pass on their legacy. The most famous case of this probably was Caesar Augustus. So Caesar Augustus was adopted by Julius Caesar. Now, it is a lot more historically complicated than this, but the end result was that Caesar Augustus inherited the entire Roman world. That's pretty crazy. Right? So the point isn't, that's kind of what Paul was thinking. So you had to have a son to adopt. You had to have a son to be an heir. And so Paul is saying, like, we're heirs and we will receive an inheritance. 
And we are adopted as sons in order that we might receive an inheritance, regardless of race, gender, age, political party, education, or any of that. We are all brothers and sisters, adopted into an eternal family, and we will receive an inheritance. And maybe the question is asked then, right? Oh, well then, what's that inheritance? That sounds very nice. Romans 8:17 gives us a little clue, and it says, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, and, get this, co-heirs with Christ. If indeed, if indeed we are sharing in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. So we're co-heirs with Christ? What? So what he's inheriting, we're inheriting? What? We have to remember, everything is focused on Christ. It's all about Jesus, 100%. We are adopted into the family because of Jesus. We enter into heaven because of Jesus. We're alive because of Jesus. Colossians tells us that the universe is held together by his power. Without him, the atoms of our bodies would just dissolve. I mean, it's all about Jesus. And somehow, because of that, we're co-heirs with Jesus. In a word, our inheritance is heaven. Now, I could explain heaven a thousand different ways, and you've probably thought about it at least a little bit. I like to think about it like this from time to time. Inspired by C.S. Lewis, I like to think about entering into heaven like coming home after a really long trip. So, you've been on the road three, four weeks. You've slept at hotels. You've maybe camped a little bit. You've had a lot of fun. I mean, it's been a great trip, but man, you are tired. Your back hurts a little bit. Everything's put away. All things are unpacked. Lay down in bed. That first night on your own bed, put your head down on your pillow, and you're just like, oh, yeah, I am home. When you're in heaven, you're going to be home. Life is going to be exactly the way you want it. You're going to be relieved. You're going to just feel no stress. All the love and, and peace you could ever imagine will be yours. You'll experience all these great activities, hiking, biking, camping, music, drawing, dancing with everyone that's ever been a Christian who's ever lived. You'll be right alongside Jesus Christ, and you'll be home, living life exactly the way God intended. That's your inheritance as, a, as an adopted child of God. That's your inheritance. It's a pretty awesome inheritance. So, as Christians, you're adopted into an eternal family. As we wrap up, let's just sort of summarize this a little bit. This adoption is real. You're a true child of God. Because the Holy Spirit is in you, you get to cry out, Abba, Father, to God. And he responds to you, yes, my child. You are my brother for real. You are my sister for real. And that inspires me to want to hang out with you and gather together, whether it's at Inside Out or Confirmation or gathering together here for worship or, you know, in LifeWise groups or serving or eating together, or playing together. It inspires me to want to get together with my family. And because we're family, brothers and sisters, it inspires us and encourages us to treat each other a little bit better, to serve each other, to put each other's needs before our own. And finally, as 
brothers and sisters adopted by God, we're joint heirs of an eternal kingdom, a recreated earth where life will be perfect, we'll enjoy all the leisurely activities we can ever imagine, and we'll finally be home. That's what it means to be a family. That's what it means to be in this eternal family. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all that you have done for us. Thank you so much for all the work you put in to adopt us as your children. Lord, I pray that we could think about this and not just make it an intellectual subject, but think about it and let it penetrate our hearts and and move us into action and allow us to, to do something with it, Lord. I pray that your spirit would be alive in this room today and move us in the direction of you and getting to know you more and becoming more like who you want us to be. In Jesus' name. Amen.